G'day listeners, this episode is proudly brought to you by our major sponsor, subshq.com.au. Use code BENS15 at checkout to receive 15% off on your next purchase. G'day listeners and welcome back to a very special episode joined by a very special guest friend. I want to see we'll say we're colleagues for a period of time or at least uh, work-related colleagues. I'm joined by a very special guest. I can't even hype him up any more than I'm going to, but the current IBO super welterweight champion, Dennis the Hurricane Hogan, my friend, how are you doing? Very good, thanks, Ben. We've um, I've been looking forward to this podcast for many years. When we used to speak in the nutrition warehouse, sometimes I go in, I'd be there for an hour chatting to you about nutrition and all <laughs> things life and personal development. So it's um, finally anyway we'll have it. We'll have a recording of one of our chats. So that'd be hey. good. There's, there was definitely some nuggets and some, uh, some, some, some golden points that just never got heard by anyone else in those, <laughs> in those chats in store. Um, I remember just to, just to give everyone a quick sort of background. So me and uh, I was Dennis's, I guess you would say, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, um, touch point, if you will, for Nutrition Warehouse. So we were associated through Supplementation and Nutrition as one of his sponsors, um, and we met many years ago now i think it was about 2019 we just established um and around that time dennis was more than on the way up into where he is now but uh, we're gonna we're gonna explore that in a in a little bit but basically the the reason why we've asked dennis to come on we've had hundreds of chats in and around store we've talked many times through instagram facebook we've talked many things about his career training nutrition his performance and mindset around his fights. And to be honest, I think all of that is beneficial to everyone who's going to listen to this chat. So, I mean, there's no one better to learn or understand high performance from than someone who's literally at the top of the world game. So basically get us started. Give us a bit of a background as to what got you into boxing, sustaining boxing, being able to go through the ups and downs of the different federations and the, the fighting world and, and kind of the, the wins and losses? Well, look, I started, um, I, I say a funny thing is is that I don't I don't remember life without boxing, So, mm-hmm. which means I started boxing. I went to the gym with my grandfather from the age of five to six. Uh, my mom used to work nights and, and he brought it, He brought me along with all my other cousins. So um, I literally was in the boxing gym with my, with my grandfather, the coach, uh, from five or six. I had my first underage fight at eight. Mm-hmm. Had my first competitive fight at eleven, and boxed right through for 160 in around 160 amateur fights uh, as an amateur, um, uh, and boxing for Ireland over 20 about 20 times, and then I went professional at 26 years of age, and I'm now 38 and boxing as a pro for 12 years. So it's been all boxing, um, and that's so I don't I don't remember a lot of people come to boxing because they get bullied and for other certain reasons like to, to for defence and stuff, but. I suppose I was lucky in a way that that I just was born into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, boxing is very much um, in, in my blood, um, so it's just one of those things that I, I tended to be because I started so early as well. I tended yeah. to be very good good at it, and um, it sort of worked well with me too because um, all, I wasn't very academic in in school, and I I don't think the audio, uh, uh, more so audio, but slightly visual style of learning um suited me also um so i i didn't i didn't feel like i excelled all that much but for everything that i was feeling 
lack of self-worth in school itself. Um, I was certainly getting in the boxing gym and the success that I seen as a kid and, and onwards was uh, very fulfilling to me. And maybe that's a reason why I kept going back. And it's always been one of those things in my life where even if I went off it for a while, I'd find my way back there. Yeah. Whether that be to de-stress, whether that be to start eating healthy again and to start losing a bit of weight again, whatever it was, I always found myself, even in just in hard times, I used to find myself back at the gym. And um, that's nearly been my life story till I decided to go pro and go all in uh, 12 years ago. So um, that's what boxing was for me. Uh, it certainly is a passion, a love, and um, and uh, and everything else to me. Um, uh, yeah, look, I mean, my, my amateur career, um, I also was a carpenter, so I was 10 years as a carpenter, got my qualifications as a carpenter. So mm-hmm. that was one of those things where, you know, I remember when the championships would come up as an amateur, I would be running the roads at 6 o'clock in the morning um, just to, and it'd be still dark in Ireland just to go training or go go work in my, my 10 hour days and then come back and go training at half 7 I'd probably be getting into bed about half 10 only to be getting up again at half 5 so that was some of the life I used to live until I decided that I um, would, would, would make it uh, my, my full career and finally be paid for it mm-hmm. so I was able to put all that energy um, that I was putting into my into my other life as an amateur and carpenter, into my full pro career, and when I finally went all in, um, things really started to work out for me, as you know, um, and so yeah, if there's any more on that, you want me to elaborate? I will, but does that yeah? Wait, that's uh, get like, started at least. That's a that's a, yeah, it's a starting point. <laughs> that we can unpack about forty different points in that. I guess my first question, because you know, you are you are a as we can tell in the accent, an Irishman. And you're an Irishman Aussie, as you've claimed many times, as your kids are also Aussies. Like you've got family over here, you've you've raised your family here. Is is the fight game, is the fight world, or or just fighting that that sort of like, uh, I guess that knuckle hard knock sort of lifestyle of an Irishman? Is that in the blood over there? Is that just something like you're going to be born with, or is it like you are just lucky to be around it at the right time in the early age? Well, look, I mean, I remember as a kid, I don't know. But um, in Ireland, when I grew up, it's, it was completely different now. It was even different, but well, like, you know, before I left Ireland, which was 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. But when we grew up as kids, you know, um, where, where, where I was friendly with and where I would go around um, <clears throat> in the town that I grew up in, uh, you know, you turn a corner, you could be in a fight at any second. Yeah. Not that people would actively just jump you, but they'd be looking to start a fight. And, um, well, I tended to be one of those guys who probably would engage more often than not unless I sense real unless I sense real danger but that was probably because I didn't give it its full credit really as a kid being a boxer it was like I had that sort of uh, I felt like I felt very comfortable in those situations mm-hmm. a lot more comfortable than the other people I, pre- I presume but um, but that's the way it was in Ireland but I feel like it's changed a lot now it's not it's not it's not like that as much as it used to be you know people the way people would start on each other and everything was just something that I grew up with so it sort of bode well for me that 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 I was good at boxing um so um yeah I mean and that was it then and that was uh, but in Ireland also I will say that a lot of um nearly everybody would have tried their hand at boxing at one point you know all yeah. my friends at some point would have would have went down to the to the boxing gym and laced put on gloves laced up and through a few digs here or there. So everyone can sort of fight anyway. So you're better <laughs> off knowing a bit about it anyway, you know. <laughs> better off to know than not know. Yeah, that's it. Is it like 
because I, I remember like our old boy, he, he was always uh, like, we always played rugby league, but he loved the flight game. And so one of the things that we did was like, we, we played footy year round for summer season. And then he would basically get us into boxing in the off season to make sure we stayed fit. And that also we learned to, you know, not just throw hands, but we learned to, well, I think when I look at it now, be more emotionally regulated, understand that once you throw a punch, you kind of can't take it back and you've made that decision. So, you know, it's kind of a, are you controlling your anger and controlling your emotions as you know, we know in fight world, that's pretty important. Is that kind of a premise over there? Like in, in that sort of like up and coming, even if you're not playing other sports where we're looking at boxing or we're looking at something to develop discipline, we're looking at like kind of that, that fight scene to just build up that mental regulation. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, um, it, it's. I don't think it's like that as much. It's just more of a thing. There's a. There, there, there's nearly a boxing hall in everybody's hometown, and um, everybody will co- will go along. And most most guys will go along and try it out at a younger age. Um, uh, and then if they like it, they'll stay for a while, a year or two, and maybe have a couple of fights, whatever that may be. But in Australia, I've noticed that it it certainly is as you just described it. Um, like a lot of footy players, especially, will go to boxing in the off season yeah. to build up that fitness. And I've had footy players like Josh McGuire come do pads with me and stuff like yeah. that. And um, and even um, uh, the Fenger twins come come and do it. just. You guys love here in Australia love to, to do that as well as a bit of a side thing. Yeah, you know, we all seen the footballers like Paul Gallen and all come to come to boxing as well and and and, and others. Um, but. It's it's I don't feel like it's much it's as much of a come and get a little bit fit to to help you alongside your other fitness, not as much as I've seen it in Ireland anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. like coming from my league background, it was definitely like a, a way to stay fit in the off season. But I think mm. it was also a way to because you know we can only when I was playing league, I say we now as if I am playing. When we were playing, you could only make so much contact. You know, there was always like that testosterone and competitiveness and aggression, like. You can only contact so hard, drop someone on their head so much or, you know, before you give away a penalty or lose that discipline and that emotional regulation. I, I think for a big part of us as footy players was that that a boxing or a kickboxing or an MMA or a BJJ, it was almost like a, a disciplinary development tool. Like if you, you get yeah. in the ring, you're learning to control your like control your emotions, your responses, your aggression. Mm. And that translates yeah. pretty well into the field. Because yeah. you're not going to be pissed off by the other team. You're not going to be pissed off by the ref. You're not going to be reactional. You're not going to be emotional. It's more like, let's move on to the next play. I see it kind of similar as like a, a cross-field benefit, I guess. Would you say that's pretty fair? Yeah, yeah. Look, look, you're dead right. Um, and I think it is across all sports in terms of uh, how you play sport is how you live your life, really. And um, boxing just tends to be that little bit. Like, like, you know, rugby. I've seen more guys come into the, into the boxing gym Injured from rugby, coming mm-hmm. to boxing to get a break from the injury. So yep. you know, rug- rugby can can nearly be more harsh on the body, but boxing because it's intentional, just adds this whole other stress mm-hmm. to it. And when you get into the ring, like you said, you have to control your emotions. You got to learn to to actually be an alchemist. You know, yeah. you got to turn, you got to understand that the feeling that you're feeling is adrenaline to make you act better. It's not yeah. people say butterflies, nerves. It's not even that. It's 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 pure adrenaline. It's your fight or flight, and mm-hmm. that actually makes you uh, work better. It will make you more ferocious, mm-hmm. and will do all those things if you transmute it properly, you know. But again, don't forget it's fight or flight. So you'll either go in and you'll fight with everything you've got, 
or you'll or you'll completely go the other way and run away. Yeah. And 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 that's something that you need to, and that's why, if if you're more prone to to running the other way, and and that, and that be opportunities in life or whatever that may be, may be that you're going towards, rather than quitting and and take the flight, you gotta you gotta transmute it and 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 go, go fight, and so that's that's another big big thing is turning that energy into something that's productive yeah. and good and not giving up and 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 using what you've got to get your best outcome, and that's only like. I think a shade of what boxing will do in terms of all around discipline and facing your fears and, and, and learning a new skill. And then you've got all your brain chemistries that come with it. Like when you've had a good workout yep. and you've done something that you didn't ideally initially want to do, mm-hmm. then you get all the great brain, brain chemistry. You get rewarded, yep. you know, even when you're, when you're young and, and full of testosterone. And um, if you can actually start to, you know, aim for a goal of winning a fight, and then you start to get, uh, you start to get dopamine, which actually the challenge in boxing itself will give you many rewards. And mm-hmm. there's just so many things in boxing that will actually start to lead you towards life. Like, and I'll just finish by saying, I've done public speaking before, and even when it comes to um, salespeople, like you can literally relate boxing itself, boxing and the career in boxing to being a salesperson mm-hmm. in terms of taking the knocks and keep moving yep. forward and all that kind of yep. stuff. So you see, so you can relate it, you know, you can relate it. And if you do boxing and you understand that, I think that sets you up for, for the groundwork for nearly anything else that you want to do. You know, I think, yeah, that, that alone is, is such an important point to touch on is that I think a lot of the time, especially when we look at men's sport, it's often regarded as, egocentric masculine or toxic or competitive and testosterone driven and honestly it is those things because it's a competitive physical contact environment but i think the biggest thing that gets missed there is is what that does for us elsewhere and that it's not just you know we're not just going into these sports just be egotistical narcissistic douchebags where we're going into these things because a we enjoy it but and you know we the, the love for competitiveness and the passion for development and getting better but i think the the, the benefits we find that starts to cross over to other realms of our life. I know from being 10 years old, seven years old, I remember the first goal that I ever wrote down as crazy as it sounded. We did this end of year, um, this end of year sort of player profile when we we're seven years old. And I still remember it to this day because we ought to fill out this player profile card and sort of like, who do you want to be? What's your goals? What's your career job and dream job and that. And I remember reading back and some of the other players in my team would have like, you know, carpenter, truck driver, fireman, and I remember my answer was, I want to play halfback for the New South Wales Blues. State of origin, I want to play halfback. Did I do it? No. But it was more that that understanding of what sport did for me. It was like, it, it gave me a central direction. Like yeah. nothing else was important as much. And I was seven years old. And I think that at a certain point, when you get really competitive men and we do it for the right reason, I think those, those focuses, the discipline, the delayed gratification, being able to set goals and work towards things, understand there's going to be injuries and hiccups and you know setbacks we can look at those and apply them to the rest of our life well what did i do what did i do in my sport when i lost how do i apply that to my life or what did i do when i lost my girlfriend or i lost my job or you know i didn't make the sale well i don't apply the same concepts well you know um i'll actually say that um you know, you you like as a bodybuilder, you're in phenomenal shape, right? And I know that you might say whatever, but for me as well, because I really, really um I think that your sport is like absolutely phenomenal. Um I knew someone back in Ireland who did a bit of it, and I think that what you do is just 
you know, like, I don't think anyone really gets that either. You know, the discipline that you have to, to show and, and, and the IQ that you got to show to be able to keep shocking the body and doing what you do. And then to go from when you're in your bulking stage down to down to shredding and you got to see yourself losing muscle that you was <laughs> yeah. so hard to build yeah. just to get to to a low body fat percentage. And um, when you when you, when you're doing that, I mean the discipline and that itself. When you tell me that you've start setting goals from the age of seven, that makes sense to me because you know from the ages of like you know zero to, to eight and then onwards, you know we're, we're actually our brains are firing and wiring. We're programming our brains of what it's going to do for future life. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you were already um, setting goals and and dis- like using discipline to get to that point, th- th- there's no surprises that you are now goal driven, and you know you're in phenomenal health and shape. You know, especially when you stand up on stage, mm-hmm. um, and you go out of your way to to help other people, and and I think there's no mistakes in that. I think that you started well in life, setting goals, and and you and you got to where you are. Same as me, as a kid in my grandfather's car, wishing I'd be Irish champion one day. Never did I think as a kid I'd end up being a world champion, but here we are. You know, we I we 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 set the we set the blueprint and and followed the followed the game plan. So, yeah, and and that's that's a a kind of perfect cross point to where I want to get to. There is. One of the things that that I think a lot of people really don't understand and they sort of, you know, there's a lot of, they perceive it as entitlement or they perceive it as arrogance or they perceive it as cockiness or, or whatever you want to call it. But when, let's say like the number you gave before, your amateur career, upwards of 160 fights, some people don't even want to do, repeat the same thing or the same training program or the same, you know, play the same season or, you know, lose a couple of games. They wouldn't want to do that 10 times. In order for you to even get to the pro status that you wanted, that degree of goal setting and delayed gratification you had to go through, knowing that each one of those fights, you're getting punk, you're deliberately stepping into a ring to confront not only your fears and aggression, but for someone else to deliberately punch you in the face, I'll try not to get punched in the face, but you to step into punches so that you can punch someone back 160 times before you even get to the status of, I can get paid for this. That to me is the pinnacle of delayed gratification that I don't think people understand when it comes to seeing elite performers, elite athletes, elite bodybuilders, elite trainers. They think we just have this short, this short change secret or you know, this this gift of genetics or blessing, like, oh, it was easy, we just did it and it happened. You gotta when you look at the background, you look at the backstory, 160 fights before you even went professional is a fucking lot of fights. Like, pardon the French to anyone listening, but that is a that is when you really comprehend even stepping into the ring once to know that you're willing to do it 160 times before you go. I'm in a position now where I can actually take this professionally. Is that is that going through your mind when you're sort of in those like going back then, even back you know how many fights do I have to do before I'm ready, or are you just taking each one as it comes? No, no. I look. I mean, I had a goal. It's funny as a kid. Um, but obviously, you know, we all have these funny things, what will be when we're older. But when I started to really, you know, become a little boy, I used to say a pro professional boxer and a carpenter, which is exactly what I ended up doing. And it's funny enough because the carpentry I kind of fell into. I had gone for a, an apprenticeship in plumbing and someone else had taken a spot before me and that guy <laughs> knew a carpenter and gave me the number. So, you know, again, goals and stuff. But, um, <clears throat> but um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, look, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, like for me, I remember like I have these vivid memories, uh, especially as you were saying that, where um I remember it just you know just getting a phone call from my coach, 
just on a on a Wednesday night when I've been working, you know, midway through the week, you're fighting Friday night down in Wexford, come to my house and we'll go from there. And I and I'd be all excited. I'm not I walk into my mom and be like, Oh, I'm just after getting a fight. You know, so that's what my payment was. My payment was how excited I got when I found out I was fighting as a surprise like as a surprise. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's nuts. I don't know, but that's it was everything it was everything I wanted to be. It was the opportunity for me to feel that feeling again of mm-hmm. of of um of competing, bettering mm-hmm. myself and mm-hmm. getting my hand raised because there was no better feeling for me than when I won. And again, you know, people say these things and it always sounds a bit like wishy-washy and do they really mean that? But you really are sort of uh, competing with yourself because when you're in the, what that means, a lot of people may not understand what that means, but when you're in the ring and you're boxing, right, and and th- th- just say that guy is good at throwing certain things and he's a- it seems like he's able to get there better than you, but you have the opportunity to be able to negate that and work harder than him. Mm-hmm. So and so really, is it up to yourself if you're going to let yourself get to that point of punishment or not? Mm-hmm. So really, in essence, you're fighting yourself, mm-hmm. and it's and it, and it's and it's basically a, a test of whether you're willing to go to that or not. And you and you beat another guy, and you outpoint him. You're standing there, and for me, that was like I've done it again, and I'm getting mm-hmm. further, I'm getting better. And it was not about it was never about money. And the the best things I ever did, and um, was when I got called up for my country. Uh, funny enough, um, my first uh, uh, fight for Ireland wearing the Irish vest was against Australia. Yeah, so right. was, um, yeah, yeah. Funny enough, that wasn't it. Um, back in two thousand <laughs> two thousand and two, I think it was. Um, but I got many call ups since, and I have many many green green vests. And um, but when you got a phone call to say you're fighting for Ireland, um, we're either going here. Or, or 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 the team is coming here, um. You know, just I was just living. I was just so excited, and um. Obviously, on fight day, you want all that. You know, you're full adrenaline and all that. But, you know, more often than not, I won as well. So, um. Just you'd be on a high for a full week after winning for your country. You know, I traveled to Canada. I traveled, beat the American USA champion and uh, um champion who had been at the Olympics previously, and I have all these great wins. Um. Mm-hmm. That just left me on a high for a full week after, and that was all I needed. Money wasn't a thing for me back then. So, I think, I think, like, again, I can't even put myself in your shoes because I never got to a level where I was playing for country and I wasn't competing for country. But understanding that the the checkpoints and the 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 progressions and looking at wins, like every time you when you when you're winning for the right reason or you're playing for the right reason, you're training for the right reason the wins trump everything else in the sense that it's not for like, Hey, I can go share this on my social media. It's more like a reflection of the culmination of work you've put in and the dedication and commitment to a single outcome. And you look at that and go, well, now how do I get better from that? And it's almost like a positive, like a positive critical assessment. Like, Holy fuck, that felt so good that I, and I just, you know, me and the team, we won this game. We won this grand final. We won this title belt. Well, now how do I get better? And that to mm. me is always something that I find so exciting about winning is that I'll always sort of reframe it, not as like, oh, the job's done and we're finished here, but more so if that was the best or if I just did my best and we won, how where do I go from here? How do I get better so next time I win even better or I don't lose to the next challenge or, you know, that I think is probably one of the most powerful things I find with winning is the reflection of not even the trophy, not even the fanfare, not even the praise. It's the internal reflection that, 
everything you sacrificed and everything you gave up and the delayed gratification for that single point in time, you you got there and it was worth it. And that you can now also look at getting better again. Yeah, you can improve on that. And that's always the exciting part. But back when I was winning and fighting for Ireland, like, um, yeah, you get a mention in a newspaper or whatever, but there was no social media. Yeah. Um, or at least, if you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't be posting it on there. Uh, you'd just be getting up and going to work. Um, yeah. It's just say you fight the weekend, you get up and go to work on Monday, you tell the boys I'm working, you just be on your own little high because you just, you just bettered yourself. And um, I suppose in the back of my mind, I always thought this is, I'm getting more and more uh, experience for going professional in, in, in years to come, which was always going to be the pinnacle, you know? So, um, yeah. So let's let's move forward then because we've got 160 fights as an amateur. We know that generally we, we, we people try and associate the, the rule of mastery as, you know, 10,000 hours of dedicated time. It's not quite accurate because someone as passionate as you, I think you would have mastered the skill or continue to master it in a much faster time frame. But 160 fights as an amateur, do you, do you look at carpentry and go, okay, this is now standing in my way? I need to, the next step for me is going to require me to make that leap and sort of decide that there is nothing else or I take that risk and say a steady income and a paying career and a, and a good you know craft, trade craft versus my potential boxing career. Do you look at that and go, I'm going to fuck this off or is it more of a, a gradual sort of, ah, oh, this could happen eventually and I'll work it until it becomes a paid gig? Yeah, well, look, um, um, boxing in Ireland, yeah, there was only one or two. There was one guy in particular, Bernard Dunn, um, who sort of brought big time boxing back to Ireland and kept it going there for a bit of a for a while. Um, carpentry for me, uh, my mom um, was smart. You know, she's like, go go get your apprenticeship now. When things didn't work out for me in two schools, um, she said, go 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 get an apprenticeship. So I did that. So I knew I'd always have that to fall back on. So there was yeah. no there was no hassle in that regard. Um, and I was I was happily enough. I I I gone out doing a bit for myself and then. The 2000 recession came along. The 2008, I, I had been in Ireland. I'd been in Australia backpacking. So what I said was, I'm going to go doing that year of backpacking. It's very, it's something that's like sort of glamorized in Ireland. Is like, oh, backpacking for a year in Australia. Um, and I said, you know what? Before I decide to go all in with my career, you know, to really see what I can do, um, I'm going to do that. So I backpacked in Australia for, you know, the year um, 2005, 2006, halfway through. 2005 to halfway through 2006 and then I came back again and um, and then when I came back like I actually would have stayed here because I loved it here mm-hmm. I would have stayed here um, only for I had I wanted to go back and see what I could do with my boxing so I did that and I was only back about a year and I had won um, uh, my, my Irish title and then I was asked to go on a team back out to Australia again so I did that in 2008 I boxed in, in Brisbane and Sydney twice in 2008 and um, and I had met the, the 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 boxing promoter and trainer Steve Deller here, and he I had a good win my first night in Brisbane, and he said if you ever want to go pro there was pro am shows on here which I'd never seen before, and he said if you ever want to go pro come on back out here and I get you some good fights I had a good following and I, I was here too because my cousin lives here yeah. in Brisbane he brought along a lot of Irish and <laughs> it was a great great atmosphere so. So there was already, I knew there was a bit of a market here. That was good. And then I went back to Australia, back to Ireland after that. And when the 2008 um, uh, recession kicked in, it was like, oh, wow. It was like, so I think I stayed there for about maybe a year. 
And then I said, right, now it's time to go professional. So that's why I came back out here. And um, when I rang up pretty much, I had been talking to him before, before the summer, maybe the summer of 2010. But I finally decided to make the move in around Christmas, uh, New Year's. And he said, look, we had a chat. And he said, if you're here by January 1st, I'll have you fighting. I'll have you fit and ready to fight uh, St. Patrick's Day of, of um, um, 2011. So we did that. We aimed for that. It got pushed back to the, to the 1st of April, two weeks. But that was all good. And I started my first pro fight. And I had nine pro fights in my first 11 months. <laughs> so, <laughs> Because here's the thing. I had so much, you know, I, I was able to go all in. I, I was used to dividing my energy between training, yeah, yeah. life, and, and, and working. You know, even like sometimes I could be in the car driving for two to three hours a day if I was working in Wicklow or Dublin, you know, and now it was just down to the gym, train, back home again yeah. for rest. It was like, let's let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's go. So there's, there's, there's something I, I think a lot of people are are scared. And I think we, given, you know, state, states of economics and things like that currently and, and people have risks and shit like that, I understand it. But I've made the same, I've made the same jumps several times in my career over business and education and, and performance. I think people get scared at this idea that, that something has to come as a risk in order for it to be significant. The risk involved for you to make that decision, like I'm going to move countries. I'm going to go all in and give up this. And like carpentry is not a, especially in Australia, carpentry is not a, a cheap skill. It's not a, a laid back income. It's not like anything to turn your nose up at. There's a decent income to be made from carpentry, whether it's form work, construction, civil, you know, whether it's just housing. Carpentry is a well-paid tra trade craft in Australia. You're making that decision to say, I am more passionate and certain of what I'm going to do in my boxing career that I'm going to give that up. Because we know if you're in a certain skill, the longer you're in it, the better you get. So you give a few years up for, for carpentry, that's a few years of extra skill or bit and rusty that you're not quite, you know, you haven't, you haven't still got it. You've made that decision to go, I'm going all in on boxing. I'm doing this, nothing else. I think a lot of people get scared about that idea that, that you're going to have that risk. Like it doesn't, it, it was not promised to you that it wasn't guaranteed to succeed. It wasn't guaranteed mm. you were going to go world number one. It wasn't guaranteed that you have all these title fights and, you know, be in these positions to be on uh, Fox sports and be displayed as, as one of Australia's best fighters. Those things weren't promised, but you backed yourself in your position enough to go, I don't give a fuck what's going on. If I can lose out in the economy being a carpenter, then I may as well try the thing that I love most and be a fucking boxer. And mm. I think that is one of the most powerful success stories you can hear. And I, I hear it most is when people that succeeded or took off, they had that pivot point or that sort of that fork in the road. I stay doing what I'm doing. And sort of half-ass it and kind of be in and out with you know amateur fights and and still being a tradie, or I go all in and make that fucking risk, and obviously it's paid dividends and it's fr the, the fruit is obvious, but I think a lot of people get sort of scared or worried that you know taking that risk or taking that chance is the wrong idea or you know it's it's not worth it or that you know the, the squeeze is not worth sorry the juice is not worth a squeeze but looking at yourself that's literally what you did and you took that plunge and fucking here we are. Yeah, look, no, I get that. Um, I just, I feel like um, I was so passionate about boxing itself and the GoPro. And my grandfather was still alive at the time. So he was still, he was still, um, still good and healthy for, well, when I say healthy, but he was still good and conscious for my first two, two, two pro yeah. fights, for two wins, two knockouts. Um, 
and it just and it meant the world to me and to know that how much he was loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because he's the he's my grandfather. I've tattooed on my yeah on, on my stomach here, just under my heart. Um, so I was just so passionate about it, you know, that I just I didn't care. I said, let's just go all in and do it. Like looking at it now, when you see all the Gary V stuff, it was harder to make that decision back then. But Gary V now talks and says the twenties is your is your is your uh, yeah. Time to make these to do these risks, so it turns out that I made the right decision, and yeah. obviously I proved it too. With now, you know, with the accolades that I've that I've that I've won, but um, you know, at that stage to go and do that, um, yeah, I, I feel like um, it was the right time to do it. Yeah, I, I rocked up in Australia with eight hundred and fifty dollars in my pocket and a promise of a pro fight, and I thought, wow, okay, um. And and a bit of work. I was told I could get a few hours work a day for the first till I was able to get my first fight. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and then obviously gather sponsors and momentum and stuff like that. So it was all a big risk, but that was the time to do it. But again, I was so passionate about boxing that it didn't bother me anyway. Once I got to make my pro debut, give up my best crack, and have another few cracks after that, then you know what? If it didn't work out for me and it wasn't for me. I definitely wouldn't have, have regretted trying, mm-hmm. you know. But like you said, there is a lot of people that that the fear of that um, would would have deterred them alone, and probably have. I've yep. had a lot of people message me from Ireland saying, you know, because I was probably a bit of a bit of a success story um, coming to Australia and doing what I did, you know, going winning titles here and going to America and winning the North American title and mm-hmm. doing all doing all the things that I've done. And I had messages from many many guys. That I'd box for Ireland with and stuff, saying, "Hey, what's it like there? Is it good, man?" I say, "Look, I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard work. Um, mm-hmm. You you got to sell tickets if you if you want to be promised to get on the shows. You got to sell tickets and draw a crowd." Mm-hmm. And that that seemed to deter so many people. Um, that I was like, "Should I have said that or not? I let them get here and work it out." But I'm like, "No," because if they're messaging me and me and asking me, I'm not. I've got to tell them what it is and how it is, because that was one of the things that got me eleven fights. Um, uh, nine fights in eleven months was the fact that I drew a crowd, mm-hmm. and um, and then I had to go and, and and draw a crowd and buy tickets. And before I knew it, I was on commission. And sometimes I was making more money off the commission for the for for the, for the seats for selling tickets than I was for the actual uh, <laughs> for the for the fight purses. So that's how determined I was to make it work. But it certainly gave me a head start. And then I was backing it up with my performance and getting better every time. So it was it was good synergistically, you know. It just worked out. It was feels like it was meant to be, but it was a lot of hard work and there's a lot of scary moments too, I won't lie. Um I don't really feel those now I look back at those, but there was a lot of times you're like, Well, I don't really have enough money this week and mm-hmm. you know, that but but there was always another fight coming. Mm-hmm. And I thought if I can just get to the next fight and and that hunger kept me like, you know, that not knowing and the uncertainty of it actually drove me, really yeah. drove me to be the best. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I mean, that's, you, you can't, you can't really put into words how important I think people need to hear, like, so you can't, you can't put a value on how important it is to hear those sort of conversations. I think it's why I find podcasts now or just being able to talk to people so important is that, you know, how many people are talked out of things that they wanted to do or thought of doing or taking those risks or those plunges just because, oh, the economy's tough and, oh, this is tough and, oh, this is hard. In, in my opinion, we are all getting out of life the same way. We're all going to pass away. 
Either way, no matter who you are, or how how well you do it, or how safe you play it, we're all going to go. So to me, the same sort of premise applied when I looked at rugby league. I I knew that you know, even if I didn't make it, even if it wasn't for me, even if it wasn't something that was a hundred percent promised, or I was going to get an NRL contract, which I never did. You know, even if even if my best career step was to play reserve grade or just below Q Cup or you know any grade below that. I wanted to know that I could push myself and take that risk and that chance that my, my, my job was my funding to play this sport. My job was my second tier to support me playing the sport and trying to take off yeah. that, that, that pursuit, I think of, of challenging yourself and taking that risk. I think a lot of people just get scared about it. They get so caught up in worrying what other people think or, you know, holding back or not following in their potential or seeing what their potential is, or just self doubt and just self ridicule or bullshit from other friends I want to stay around and party and get drunk with others because I don't want to admit to myself this is what I want to do. It genuinely makes me upset, I think, is it's a fair word. It's almost emotional when I see people that have that potential to do something significant and every other excuse under the sun stops them from just saying, you know what, let's just fuck around and, and find out. Let's see what happens if I dedicate 12 months, two years, five years to this single thing. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, you do it for three months and it's, oh, it wasn't meant for me. Uh, it wasn't going to happen. You know, couldn't be done or politics was against me or fucking whatever excuse it is. I think too many people fall back on that instead of just saying, you know what, let's find out what happens if I give this five to 10 years, because it's, you know, you're a walking example. It's, you know, it's easy to see what you could do in, in 12 months or, or a week and say, that's a fair bit of work, but what could you actually do in 12 or 10, 10 years, five years, what can you actually dedicate and, and achieve if you just fucking knuckle down and take the risk? Like I said, yeah. by the way, we're all going out. So if you're going to end up failing, your 20s is the time to do it. Your early 30s is the time to do it. You're not going to drop dead from failing, but you're at least going to try and find out, right? And you're going to learn a lot too, aren't you? But one of the things that I learned though is, um, like when I went, like I, like I was saying before, I didn't know I, I, I was probably about a half, half a year to three quarters of a year in. When I when I seen how much I progressed in that period of time, mm-hmm. to where I needed to be to win a world championship, that I started to really say, "Oh wow, I think I can do this." Mm-hmm. Like I was really like, and then I had gotten sparring with with some some champions, and it wasn't long before I was sparring with Daniel Gale, who was a unified world champion, and I started to go, "Oh wow, like I this is actually really on the cards. Mm-hmm. I can actually do this." But what I was what I was getting at there was um. Um, when I was going pro at first, it was more so for the journey uh, yeah. at first. It wasn't. It wasn't what's going to happen if it doesn't work out. It was like, no, this is this is a passion of mine. Yeah, and and I'm going to pursue this. And you know, even in the pursuit of it alone, like you know, through your dopamine and through all of that, like I was genuinely enjoying the challenge mm-hmm. of what it was going to be and getting to my first fight and then winning it. And what can I do next and keep pursuing it and all of that and if it didn't work out for me, I, I'd still look back on those years as very fond years because I really pursued uh, a passion of mine. And then, through loving it so much and everything else, it ended up, I ended up being quite successful. But again, you know, I, I, I would suggest to anybody that look, is looking to do stuff, you know, even if there is a fear of, you know, not making as much money in, in, in the interim or, 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 you know, what would people think of me, blah, blah, blah. Just think about how you will feel just mm-hmm. pursuing that alone and pursuing a passion and mm-hmm. knowing, well, I can actually do something that I really enjoy and want to do. 
and and you know, and then there's all of that, and you will never regret that. You would never regret that. I've I, never heard someone turn around and say, "Oh, I did what I loved for a while. I wasn't successful. But why do I regret it. doing that?" Yeah. yeah, that's right. You never hear no it. No one will regret it. It's like someone saying, "I regret going on holidays." You know, so no, and like I, like I, I find myself a, a perfect example of that. I dedicated 20 years to playing rugby league. Had a car accident. Got diagnosed with spinal disability. That 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 path for me was never given back. I could never take that back. But I would never for a second sit there and go, fuck, I wasted time playing rugby league. It never turned into a career. The things I learned, the experiences I had, the skills I developed, even like when we started the conversation, like you said, you can recognize where goals sort of kicked in at an early age. All those things that I developed from going all in on something that, because to me, it wasn't just, oh, I'm just going to play for some fun or you know, I'm just going to play with the next grade up and see what happens. To me, the plan was to go further. That was always the plan is what's the next step or how do I try and progress this or I lost this position to someone else. How do I get better? And even after 21 to 25, when I had the injury and lost all that that sort of direction, I would never once sit back and go, I would, I, I regret doing that. And yeah. I think, like you said, that's you, even if you even if it doesn't happen, not even that that should be the goal. It's not, it's not to do it in case it doesn't happen. It's because you fucking love like you love this and you love this yeah. thing wouldn't you rather find out or, or, or try it and see what could happen not instead of what couldn't happen i would much rather know that mm. that sport wasn't for me that business endeavor that career that education that degree it wasn't for me in the end but i fucking gave it 100 percent to know that it wasn't for me because yeah. i know now and you'll know when you retire when i retired from rugby league there was nothing left that I had to give that I could have said, oh, I, I would have been great or I would have been this or that if it didn't happen. No, I know. I know what would have happened because I gave it everything and I didn't quite get there. But yeah. I fucking know. And you'll know when you retire. There was no more There was no more belts to win because you didn't let them be an option. You won them or you didn't because it was fucking, you know, you gave 100%. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. That, that That's like, that's exactly what it is. You, you don't ever want to regret. If, if anything, if I... <laughs> The only regret I have, it's not even a regret, but when I was fighting Tim Zhu, Tim Zhu is awesome. You know, he's champion. He's a champion, an infant world champion right now, and he's gonna he's gonna do great things. He really is. I actually broke my nose six weeks out from that. I remember um, that. And, 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 and yeah, and look at it now. It's still not good. <laughs> but, um, but I wouldn't. Uh, I still I still took the fight. I still took the fight, and. Uh, I still fought Tim anyway, and my regret is actually being too gone ho <laughs> Like you know, I probably should have tried to get a new date and everything. I'd be asked, but I don't think they believed that. I don't think they believed that they they thought I was trying to get a trainer over from America. So I didn't get it, and I went. That that's how gone ho I was, and and I have been throughout my whole career. Um, I just all in, and you know what? You I don't think you regret it in the long run if you just go all in and give it everything you've got. You know. And, and like, you know, we're both fond of, of someone like Jordan Peterson. Um, we've had many chats in stores several times about people like him and sort of some of his concepts and philosophies and beliefs in life and education through psychology. He's said many times, and it's something that I've written to a lot of my clients. It's something that I emulate to a lot of my clients is that positive emotions, these things we try to chase, you know, we try to chase happiness. We try to chase these positive sensations. The most positive emotions and experiences we get are elicited from the body in pursuit of higher goals. So if you're trying to feel good, as we sort of talked about, if you're trying to feel better, if you're trying to do something, you want to experience something nice, it's not so much the win or lose. It's not, it's not even the outcome. It's the fact that you were pursuing it. And every time you hit a checkpoint, your body's going to positively re reward you for that and give you that incentive to keep going. Because 
the, the, the act of doing towards something significant and something important to you that you are passionate about, that aligns with your values as a man or woman, that is what's going to give you the positive sensations, the positive emotions, the positive experiences. And then the outcomes are relevant. Like, yeah, it's great to win. Don't get me wrong. We love winning. But the sheer act of doing to me is fucking unreal. And bodybuilding cannot be more of an example of that where, you know, we get yeah. we get five minutes on stage once every couple of years when you compete. But the act in between of what you're doing every day, I fucking love it. And it's always yeah. like, if you, if you frame it properly, it becomes positive. And I think that's such a, a key point for people to really understand is that if regardless of your sport, the fucking act of just doing it because you love it and trying to get better is going to be positive. Well, that's, well, I mean, that, that, that is significant. Um, 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 and that's, you know, when I, I mentioned dopamine twice now, so um, dopamine is um, like, I, I, like, I feel the times in my life when I've been the least um, happy is when I'm, is when I'm, I feel like uh, when I'm not pursuing a goal mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. or uh, at least i'm not getting to my goal or whatever uh but yeah it's probably because i'm not pursuing it for the most part for whatever reason that would be and usually it's a uh, i even had a little bit last year where um i had i had like uh so i was made um i had already won my title eliminator before um before the guys fought for, for the title before i was to fight the winner so i had to wait for all that to happen in the meanwhile i done a, I did a lower back injury and then I got some. There was a lot of upper, upper, uh, upper respiratory infections going around. Yeah. And I caught one of those, and I sort of was out of action, properly training for maybe six weeks. I started to really get like, you know, yeah. heady and not feeling good. Um, and I, I've never suffered with actual depression. So, if there's another element to that, um, I, I, I can't speak on that. I don't understand it. But the closest I've got to feeling depressed that I'm aware of has mm-hmm. um, always been when I'm not pursuing uh, another goal and I'm not getting closer to it. And I certainly was starting to feel that. Like I was starting to notice the self-talk creeping in. Like, yeah. I, like sometimes I would just say, and I'll be honest, I was like, this is shit. What's the point? I was just saying yeah. stuff like that to myself. Yeah. And then it was only when um, when I was starting to come back to good health again with the injury and with, the, with this, I got myself a good... Um, Chinese medicine doctor who, who managed to help me with herbs and stuff and uh, I started getting my fitness I was able to train hard again and then I felt brand new again and then the fight got locked in and, and I was happy again so yeah. it's not as if it's not that though it's not that you know if I'm not training I'm not happy that's not that's not the way but it's it's when I'm active it's, it's that uh, when I'm working towards something that 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 dopamine that I get and that's I think that is the significant yep. hormone to talk about dopamine isn't yep. it and then um, something that I find very important in that is, is um, you know, when when you're younger and the more testosterone you have, is you know you'll find that that people that men that are younger will tend to find themselves in more sort of harder sports or more competitive sports because with the with the with that with the with the presence of of dopamine, um, the feeling of challenge actually starts to it feels better. Oh yeah, and you yeah. actually enjoy it more, mm-hmm. and that's how I know when I've had. I know the difference between me being healthy. So if I, especially during the summer here, if I get like good five, five, five IUs of vitamin D a day uh, through the skin, through sun, um, and I have my vitamin C good and my zinc good, yep. I've got everything going good. I'll actually notice that when I'm going training, the challenge of it, regardless of how hard it is, I actually drive on. Mm-hmm. So I know that my my dopamine is high, my testosterone is 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 probably in its in its natural high levels. 
And I'll also notice that when I'm a couple of weeks out from a fight and I'm taking a rest, um, and just say you go back training for the first time, it doesn't feel all that good because maybe you know my 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 hormone levels aren't all that good. I need to get healthy again, and so I just think that the pursuit of 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 going after goals, and uh, and the better that you healthier you get, and uh, just by going after them alone makes you, uh, makes you feel healthy, happy. And, and on a mission and actually quite fulfilled, you know. And then if you're lucky, you'll be successful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think I think so. that that in and of itself, like that that sense of like if we're to really knuckle it down and and give it a kind of a, a concept, I guess, is that sense of having a purpose, I think makes a significant difference in people's life. That, you know, how many people that I know from high school, from different place walks of life, the different uh, groups that I've been in amongst or talked to or been to. There was never that next purpose. There was never that next level of something. It was just simply, I got into this job because I got into this industry because, or I got this partner because there was never that sense of purpose. And they were always, to me, the ones who seemed the most emotional, miserable, upset, yeah. pissed off, angry at the world. But the ones that the ones that are always called egotistical or arrogant or cocky that I genuinely spoke to, that have had a purpose in life that is something bigger than themselves, something significant that, you know. I want to be the best in the world because of X, Y, Z. I want to be number one or I want to work for this. There's that that sense of always direction that you kind of can't take away. And once you really hone in on it, there's no stopping it. There's no, you know, something gets in the way or interrupts it. We will always feel, or I believe, once you know what it is, you will always feel at odds if you aren't working towards it. And that yeah. is something that will make you feel unfucking stoppable is, yeah. you know, the second, the, the, the many hiccups that will come in the way, the obstacles, the setbacks, all of that is almost worth it. And it's overcome. It, it's a, we're able to overcome it because we have that specific purpose of direction we're working towards that. You know, I think unfortunately a lot of people in life don't get to experience. They don't get the sport purpose or the, you know, the desire to become the world best or the desire to even win a championship or a title or, you know, run a business. They don't get to experience that. And I think it's a very, obvious thing in some people and it's not to yeah, be arrogant, it's yeah. not, not being it's not being cocky or anything it's just simply you can tell i often you can tell when people have a purpose in life that's that's something they're really working towards and I, it shows oh. yeah no no you're dead right because i think i think like like you say um especially emotion and stuff like that i think people that are emotional are are, are unfulfilled i think for the most part because how can you be how can you be living live you know living your passion and emotional at the same time, you know, I don't really see that colliding. And then, if you know, if you're just say you're working towards your sport or whatever, and you've got a passion and everything else, your body's beaming, it's vibrating, your hormones are in order, everything's going good, you know. And then, just say if you're not, you're eating healthy, you're eating, you're not eating healthy, you're 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 eating to kind of you know, because uh, that's a, a rewards, um, that's a way to get a to, to activate the the reward system. Uh, 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 the reward centers by eating crap food. Mm -hmm. So people that aren't following a passion, when they're looking to activate dopamine, that means going on to you know social media, scrolling. Mm -hmm. That means eating junk food. That means going all the other ways that aren't healthy, and all those things then will you know disrupt and um, most mostly hormone disruptors. Or you know, you know, you got more estrogen, which will end up being more, more emotional. You know, you've got all, all this. It's the complete opposite, mm -hmm. and so um, that's why I think it is important 
to to find um to find value in something that you're going after yeah. and to really pursue it. Now I'll tell you, um, um, I'll tell you that you know when I did have my my downs because boxing is full of ups and downs, and I've oh, had yeah, my downs. Sure. But I've been very um, you know, as as we spoke, I don't know if you mentioned it here live, but we spoke about it before. Um, you know, me fighting that fight in Mexico, um, and even look, I've had four losses as, as a professional boxer. Um, I've had thirty-one wins though, and um. And I've been ripped off badly for a world championship. Um, you're probably planning on speaking about it, but what I'll mm-hmm. say is, when I've lost that fight, so my I've, I'm very conscious um, of what my you know why is and what really gets me. Like, why do I want to be this person? I've gone into that. And I've done some deep work uh, with a mentor. Um, you know, for, I did I did seminars, personal development work with MGB seminars, and we went right deep into it. And one mm-hmm. of the things for me that I seen where a vibe gives way to a value. So I feel I felt like as a kid, yeah, I had all these good people around me, but I felt like I didn't really have all the knowledge that I needed. Um, and so I went and got it. And therefore the value for me now is that I want to relay these things to other people. Mm-hmm. And I also want to show them, um, I want them to take inspiration from me uh, to go and live that life and to do mm-hmm. these things. So my why is to be the greatest and best version of myself and inspire others to be the same. And when I'm living in accordance with that, then I'm, I'm regardless of what happens to me, whether I'm winning or I'm losing, I'm actually helping those people because my story is getting more and more significant. I've always believed I'd be the world champion. Um, but my story, even with the losses, has now become more significant mm-hmm. of don't give up, keep moving towards it mm-hmm. and, and, and keep going, on, you know, and, and that's so... And and then it was getting ripped back to me. Like I got more love um, in messages from people that I didn't know after that fight uh, against Mongia in Mexico. The messages that I got, the, like the love that I got from people that I didn't know, all from even the Mexican people, was phenomenal. And I knew I was doing something good. Right. I knew it was time to go again. And even after my loss for the WBC middleweight title fight with Charlo. I had half America messaged me, tell me I was a warrior to get back up from the first knockdown and keep going again. And that I'd gone up a, a weight category to fight the guy at that division. And um and you know, and then and then my following loss after that, fighting Tim as well and and all of that. Like the messages that I got was like, you know, about inspiration and everything, but but the messages I got when I did win the title in my in my last fight made it so worth it. It was like yeah. wow. It was like people Tell me, I met a guy on on who um, might actually see this. Um, I met a guy last week. Um, I get noticed quite quite often now, and he stopped me and told me that he, that through through seeing me achieve my goals, that gave him inspiration. And I met him just on the foreshore down in Wynnum, um, and I'm like, this is the sort of stuff that makes makes it all worth it. And this is yeah. the stuff that that makes me know that even the losses are very important because it makes my story greater. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that it's going to inspire people, and that everything that I do is going to be an inspiration to other people. And how can you not be inspired after that? You know, you just want to keep going, better yourself, and uh, show people that it is worthy to follow your goals and get outside your comfort zone to be the best. Hundred so. percent. Like you can't really put it much better than that. I mean, each each loss is a unique chat point in and of itself. We can have you know four hour conversations about the Mexico fight the the america fight the taizu fight we can have you know all those chats as individual podcasts because they were you know 
adversities and overcoming them and getting back on your horse, like each loss leads to the next fight because you you take that accountability and say, you know what, even the Mexico fight, and we've had that chat in store many times and and kind of like, you know, what it what it's like to, to look at that and go, well, that was my chance and I lost it. And lost it's a loose word because, you know, we both know realistically that was your fight. And then you still to to still be on the on the horse and go, you know what? Fuck it, who cares? If that that's the outcome, great. I can't go back and change it right now. What do I do next? How do I get to the next fight? How do I get to the next title chance? Because everyone's going to face losses in life. Everyone's going to have a loss, whether it's fair, unfair. We both had this conversation a dozen times. If there was cameras in that store, you know, when we were talking in terms of people thinking they're entitled to success, entitled to winning, not having a hard day's work or not having to struggle in life. I mean, firstly, you know, just to have that thought, thought process to me, I think, F you, you are not entitled to anything. You're not entitled to a fair fight. You're not entitled to a fair game, a fair outcome. You want one, but you're not entitled to it. And to me, if that's happened, so, so be it. I then, when I overcome this and I take that next step and I work harder and I come forward on the other side, I've then overcome the fact that it was unfair. You can't feel like you, you can't show much more virtue and you can't show much more value in yourself and self-belief, determination, grit, hard work, consistency than when the actual game was against you and you still came out and won. Like there's not much more you can say about that. But for some reason, people think that they're entitled to an easy outcome or they're entitled to that win. You and me, we both know that that fucking fight you lost, great. But now those fucking winning fights you had feel 10 times better when you know that, you know, it was against you in the start and all that, that loss was not supposed to happen and it did, or, you know, you should have won this fight and it didn't happen. Now you go on and win that belt. I bet that felt 10 times fucking better. Yeah, it did. It's so funny. It felt like, it felt like destiny. You know, it was like, um, I felt like it all had to happen. Like I, I I had said in the lead up to that fight, you know, I was getting interviewed and it was like, it was all, it was all like, you know, you've, you've been ripped off, you know, of world titles and this is probably your last chance, you know. And uh, everyone was saying that and I had to, I had to, I had to say, okay, this is my last go back around. Um, you know, and I had to say that because I was like, I have a family and, you know, even though I know what's in here, I don't want family worrying about me thinking I'm getting too old and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want all of that and, and your know, sponsors to kind of look after me and, I don't want people to think I'm taking them for a run either. So what I said was, after the Tim Zoo fight, um, I had a friend say, have you thought about what you want to do after boxing? I thought, oh, we're having that conversation now, are we? I'm like, well, you know, because, you know, we were not getting any younger. We all know boxing is a young man's sport. Um, so it's like, uh, so I was like, okay. I said, right. So I actually said, you know what, Dennis, go off and have a think about this now. Just really think. And I'm like, you know what, though? Like, I won a world championship. Uh, two years ago, I wasn't given the decision. Can I get back to that? Yes. What has been the main? What are what has been the main stuff that's happened the last two fights? Well, when I lost the WBC middleweight fight, I was at middleweight. I should never been at that weight. Mm-hmm. And then I fought Tim with a broken nose. So why don't I stay at my weight, mm-hmm. get back good again? Don't take mm-hmm. a fight unless you're ready. Like you know, mm-hmm. no excuses. Just get back and go again. And because uh, I, I was a bit gung ho, really, wasn't I? You know, to take that fight middleweight and then to fight with a broken nose. So, again, that doesn't take anything away from the guys that beat me. I won't even say I, I'd have won those fights. I'm just saying, yeah. I said, I'm going to go back and do it right again. I'm going to yeah. go one more chance. My family backed me, you know, my friend, everyone backed me. And what was in my heart, what I knew, prevailed. And we went and we won it. Mm-hmm. But the whole time I was known as the guy who was ripped off, 
for the World Championship fight. You know, I was, I got an exemption to go to Las Vegas and train there for a World Title Eliminator. Um, mm-hmm. It was meant to be for December 2020. And uh, I was there training seven weeks before he got COVID, Julian Williams. And I had to come back yep. after after a lot of thousand dollars spent. Yeah, I had to sit in hotel quarantine over Christmas in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Before I could come back here and see my see my kids and, and my partner, twenty sixth of December. So, and um, but even when I was in Vegas, I was like, "Oh, you're Hogan. You're that guy that was ripped off." Like that's how I was known around the world. I was now known as the guy who got ripped off. So I really seen this as my opportunity to change that, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought this is my opportunity. I'm not I'm not the guy who got ripped off anymore. I'm the guy who won the world championship, yep. or at least got ripped off and won the world championship. And that was a big driving force for me. And uh, we get we went one more time, and lo and behold, we got it. And uh, I'm so happy that to have that now because again, my goal was always to be undisputed unified world champion. The goal is now bigger again. It's like when I was in Ireland, I was getting interviewed quite often, and they were all like, "Whoa, you've done it!" Like, like you could sail off into the sunset now. People thinking like my age again, you know, they're kind of saying, <laughs> "You've done it no, now, mate, go, go, yet. go, <laughs> go!" Like, you know, they're literally saying, "Do it, go, just go!" Like, I'm, because they they're probably thinking how they would think inside yep. my body, you know, yep. but they're not in my mind, no. you know. Uh, that's why I specified that in my body, but not my mind, because my mind and my heart is like, "Okay, I've done it, but now I'm on a mountain peak." But I'm at the fucking summit of another mountain. Yep. Because that's what it's all about. It's yeah. gold, everything else. When my time is done and the wheels fall off, all good. Let's go. Now mm-hmm. I go into public speaking and, and other things that I genuinely love doing. But but for right now, I gotta be all in or not, because you don't want to be getting into the ring against those young young guys coming through that want everything you've worked for. Mm-hmm. Uh if you're only in it for, for money or blah 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 blah. You gotta be in it to win it for everything, for all the gold. Or you won't put in, you know, you genuinely won't. If you got half a foot out the door, and I always say this, whether it's relationships, business, family, friends, sport, whatever, whatever the thing is that you're trying to improve or succeed on, if you got one foot out, half out the door, just take a step because there's no point. You're, yeah. When it really comes push to shove and it comes to that grittiness and the back end of the fight in the last three to four rounds and you got a fucking chuffed up cheek and you've got a, a fucking head knock and a concussion, you're not going to last those extra four rounds that might determine the difference between you being world number one and you being world number two, or you yeah. being never remembered as anyone that did anything. If yeah. you're, if you're half out, don't even bother. And that's not as in like, uh, you know, think about plan B or what. No, no. If you're, if you're doing something as serious as this, having that, well, you know, let's think about the retirement. Let's start planning about that. Comp- no, you're getting in that ring. Someone can kill you or you can kill them. You can win or they can win and take everything you've got. You can't have your foot half out the door. You can't yeah. even, that, that can't even be a conversation because the second you start having that conversation, well, now that thought's in your head and you got that self-talk spiral and you got that conversation going on and, you know, you're in fight camp, everyone's talking about this up and coming 25-year-old or whatever and you're now all of a sudden it's, oh, well, I'm getting a bit older and everyone's talking about retirement. Do I have the speed to fight him? You can't have that thought in your in your, in your your camp, in your head, yeah. with your family, your supporters or, you know, in your business or your, your other sport, whatever it is you're doing. You can't have that sort of shit lingering where, you know, I'm going into the biggest event of my life and I'm going to sit there and think, oh, you know, do I want to do this or should I do this or what's next instead or can I be half out the door? That's just not going to end well. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. You, you can't be thinking like that. I I know a couple of fighters who 
were starting to think about the money and um, it didn't end well for them really they didn't finish their careers you know as on top as they could have and you know just you know it's not the way to be mate yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta go you gotta go all in so i got i got I got two more points i want to quickly touch on because i know i'm keeping you late it's nine o'clock by the time we're having this conversation oh, is let's go back to that fight because that was the that was the turning point i think mentally for you but the, the chats we started having because like, that was right around the time i met you but the chats we started having and, and the the ways you were looking at things i think really shifted after that because you've got as you said 160 amateur fights 30 35 professional fights 34 uh, 31 wins yeah, yeah that's it yeah 36 yeah mm. 36, and you're looking at only four losses that first loss realistically is it's going to hit you on the chin especially when you you didn't deserve the loss you didn't deserve to you know to realistically, as I said, you're the guy who got robbed, yada, yada. That's become the story. How do you reframe that to go on to where you are now? How do you, how do you have that scenario where you're like, this could be my chance and everything I've worked for in life and everything I've worked up to. And the, this is the, the Rocky belt moment that I could finally get. And it's been, it's been taken from me. How do you flip that to get back to positive mental affirmation, to positive framing, to, you know, redrive yourself and go, I'm not done. Well, for me, I love, you know, to be a world champion in my mind is like, you know, I don't think anyone will ever understand how much it means to me. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if people that genuinely love sport here of a world champion, they think, oh, wow, it's the champion of the world. But what it means to me is 10 times more than that. Like, I've literally stepped into the into the boots of the boy I always wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know, of the man I always wanted to be as a boy. Um, so that night, when I went out there and I knew I had won, I had beaten a world champion in his own ground. In that, in that, I had said, right, I've done this here tonight. And on camera and on video, I said, tonight I've won a world championship. I'm the world champion in here. It's only a matter of time till the bend is yeah. around here. And that's still on my social media right now. And, uh, and, that, and I meant that every word I said. And I said, I've waited till this long to, to have that performance to be world champion. I've done the performance. Now I just got to keep going, mm-hmm. and so I, I I I took positive from it. I nearly I nearly had to console my team that night. I was the positive one because <laughs> I, I thought now I now I know now I know I've got that caliber, mm-hmm. and all I've got to do is as hard a training as that was, I have to replicate that and and even be better. I I can I can even be better again. So that was the that was the mindset for me, and um, how nice it was on the eighth of October. When I finally got that strap to match that, you know, to match what I said back, what, three years ago and mm-hmm. four years ago. Yeah. So um, well, it was three years back then. So it was, um, so that's what it was for me. It was, it was, I'd now seen it. I now know it before I believed I could do it. Yeah. Now I know I can do it. Let's go get that strap. And then, um, yeah, look, when I said that to myself, I, I went through the biggest lows of my career after mm-hmm. that. And, you know, because we had, me go to middleweight as, as I spoke about, and then we had COVID kick in, mm-hmm. and I was inactive then for eighteen months before I broke my nose and fought Tim. So there was a lot, a lot of downside mm-hmm. um, for me that I had to overcome. But I was so certain, yeah. I was so certain that I could do it right, get back up there, and get it again. And now here we are. <laughs> so <laughs> you know what? You know what? Had it not happened like this, it might have been a book of a story but now it's a movie so we'll see we'll see <laughs> I heard Hugh Jackman is li- lining up to play me <laughs> I hear he can do a pretty good accent <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> right, that, that, that you can't 
put it better than that as a mentor. And I think, again, it's something that only athletes can experience. But this is kind of why I think I like what Matter is doing. And I'm not to make this about me or my business, but one of the biggest things I've always said, and I read it on my first about me or the first about me of the business when we made the website was I never thought that I would be Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or Andrew Johns. Like I wanted to be them. And I wanted like, to me, elite performance in sport was unreal. I've never liked many sports, but I've loved other people that excelled at sport. And the biggest thing to me was that I find a lot of people in life don't have a sport to, to attach to or an idol to attach to or people to look at or really comprehend how hard elite success is. And so the big thing for me was kind of how can I take these strategies, these mental skills, these abilities from elite athletes, very successful athletes, world number ones, people like yourself that, you know, seem to be innately born or at least more consciously aware of those skills and give it to people who have no idea because it's such an important concept. Like everything we've just talked about here around visualization, delayed gratification, seeing and believing Long before anyone else is going to believe, you have to believe that that is a belt to you, that's yours to have. Before anyone else gets on the sponsorship or the bandwagon or in your corner or the support team, yeah. you've got to be the one to convince them, I'm going to fucking do this. So you get on yeah. the train now and come for the ride or you don't. You've got to believe that far before they do. Yeah. And there's this almost like this gap between athletes and, and the everyday person, but yet the everyday person could benefit so much from these skills or these mental abilities, these like self-belief and visualization, delay gratification, goal setting. It would, yeah. even if you don't have a sport, it just becomes something profound to your life. But yet people don't seem to grasp it. They just look at the elite successful and like, you know, they're arrogant or they're dickheads or fuck them. They didn't work hard for it. Man, I, I've known you for only four years and I can tell how fucking hard you work for it. The, the, the skills and benefits people would have from just hearing this story would change their life. So, you know, to me, it's like, that becomes such an important factor to understand a, that it wasn't just given B that you actually went through struggles and adversity, but C, you know, that there's stuff that they can take from you and apply to their life. There's, there's, there's ways that you've looked at overcoming obstacles, reframing bad situations. You know, there's going to be times in life where shit gets hard and you've reframed it to be positive. Oh, well, just because yeah. I lost this fight that was mine to win. I, it doesn't mean I can't go on to do it again. I've already done it. I just have to repeat it. Yeah. Like just little things like that that don't end up so little to people, I think is just so important and almost frustrates me when people don't want to grasp it or take it in because there's so much value in it that we seem look, to possess as athletes that you know can serve them. Well, that's it. Look, what I find is um I find that um, you know, we spoke about this before. It was like um, you know, it's not the people aim high and miss, it's that they aim low and get it, mm -hmm. right? Because I've certainly aimed very high, like I mm -hmm. Again, like I said before, until I actually seen what I was capable of doing as a pro, I never thought I could be a world champion. I was just very lucky that I went all in and I started to really perform and I got the opportunity to spar some world champions and stuff. And I seen, oh, wow, I'm at yeah. this level. And then I was like, do I dare to dream? And then yeah. I did. And then so it happened for me. Um, but it's all about putting that putting that vision on and then just going after it. and I think I do genuinely believe you know you hear people saying you know you know if you can dream it you can do it mm -hmm. um, someone who, who would have had my mindset back years ago uh, I never went to the Olympics or to the World Championships as an amateur um, I possibly could have but I never had to set a goal to again I didn't set that goal but whatever mm -hmm. I did set my set my mind to I did it mm -hmm. and that wasn't because I was freakishly skilled I wasn't I wasn't all that skilled um, 
as as an amateur boxer, I just had that grit and I had that non-stop mm-hmm. determination and tenacity. But that's again in the pursuit of a goal. Mm-hmm. So I had a worthy goal that I pursued. Um so what I'm you know, so again it's 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 really about aiming high and going for it. Again, you know, I had the moment that you know that MGB seminars, Mitch Mitch Bean would say he'd say aim big because the big goals uh, will happen. You, you'll achieve the big goals. You want the small goals. Well, why don't you with the small goals? Well, you don't because you don't care enough about them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I did because I wanted to be world champion. Mm-hmm. So I cared so much about being world champion that it just became such a passion and such a love that I went all in to do it. So I do genuinely think that if you set a goal, you get there. Um, people, you know, and I knew boxers. I know a boxer. They used to say, you know, um. You know, my goal is to, is to fight for a world title someday. Actually, I know two guys that said, my goal is to fight for a world championship someday. And they did fight for it, but they didn't win it. Because they didn't, they weren't specific yeah. on, my goal is to fight the world championship and win it. My goal is to be world champion, is what mm-hmm. you'd want to, want to say. And even by the thought of saying it alone and writing the goal, write it, write it up, and then write, go backwards, reverse engineer yep. what you need to do to come from that. What do you need to do? Where do you need to be? What do you need to do? And that'll actually bring you to the step-by-step what you need to yeah. do daily to get to where you need to be. But if you can keep your mind on that exact goal um, and be very specific with it, then I think that you can get there. And I, and I think that's very, very... Um, it's just that people need to actually literally... Don't be afraid to dream big mm-hmm. and go after it. And you, Jesus, you've got a lot more chance of living a happy life and getting there. Uh, than you do if you just aim low and get there because you're not inspired yeah. to hit low goals, you know. So yeah, I mean, like again, it's a, a almost a perfect point to wrap up on. It, it's something that I've had a conversation with a lot of my athletes and a lot of my um, younger team coming up that want to compete, that want to do things. Is we call it your social social narrative theory is essentially the 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 story that you tell of yourself impacts how you view things. If, if you are walking around saying, you know, life is hard and I'm a victim and everything sucks, it's out to get me and, and slow me down and the, the life is terrible, the government hates me, whatever it is you want to say, that is how you start to act and how you carry yourself. It's what you start to do. But yeah. if you start to, you know, look at your situation or the way you describe yourself to friends and family or the way you talk in scenarios, like really sit back and assess that. Am I talking in a positive, progressive, goal-orientated manner? Am I talking about the person I want to become or am I talking about the person that I think I am or, you know, the person that struggles and has it hard and is a victim and life's out to get me. Cause I guarantee you, you feel a fuck ton better when you go, I am an elite athlete. I just haven't got there yet. I'm an elite athlete mm. that lives every single day as if I'm going to be a world boxing champion or a world bodybuilding champion or a national bodybuilding champion. I'm fucking running a successful CEO business, uh, be a successful CEO and run a business. When you, when you talk in that fashion, as if it's already happened, yeah, some people might perceive it as arrogance, but what we mm. know is you're creating internal language and narrative that you're going to act every single day in a manner yeah. that makes that goal inevitable. Yeah. It's, now, it's, it. now, it's now a matter of time, not a matter of if. It's just, we're going to create that. We call it the self-fulfilling prophecy. We're going to make that happen because that's what I'm talking to reality and I'm acting in reality. You can live that miserable victimhood if you want to. You can tell it, say mm. the life sucks and the world's hard. Maybe it is. But you know what? If you fucking wake up every day and say, I am an elite bodybuilder, I am an elite boxer and I'm an elite business owner, I'm an elite husband or father or whatever it is you're trying to excel at, you you talk that every single day and you live that, then it just becomes a matter of time before that thing happens. 
That's it. I truly believe that. Yeah, that's it. And that, that literally sums up your 160 amateur fights, 36 professional fights as a, a professional boxer, world title. Like you've literally said it from day one. Is that this is what I wanted to do? This is what was I, I was endeavoring to achieve. When the time came to go professional, it was because I was ready to fight professionally and I wanted to take that risk and go all in and commit to fully this. Like going across your entire story, it doesn't ever sound like there was a uh, an ulterior path. There was maybe a few doubts. Yeah, there wasn't. Things, but there was yeah. no, uh, I'll be I'll be a chippy and a boxer. I'll be a, you know, a student and a boxer. You were a boxer who just did other things. Yeah. yeah, well, look, I mean, I, I never planned on going back to, 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 to Carpentry anyway. I said I wouldn't, even though, like I said at the start when I went into boxing, I was a qualified carpenter. So, you know, my mom was happy. She'd done a good job. My mom and dad, that the fact that I was a qualified carpenter, I'd always have that to fall back on. But I was never, that was never yeah. an option for me. It was never that. It never that. It was always all in. You know, that's why when my friend sat down and said, you might want to have a think what you do about, you know, after boxing, and I thought that doesn't feel right for me. That doesn't no. feel good. No. I'm the world champion up here. Like, yeah. you know, you you you're basically saying you might have to live a life without being the world champion. I said, right, that's it. We're going, we're going again, and we're going yeah. to do it right. So, you know, there was no, there was no, there was no plan B. <laughs> and that, so. and that, that speaks volumes of itself. Like, you know, to have people care to sort of want to have that conversation with you. It's not from a place of negativity, but. To them, they think they're caring. To you, you were like, I don't want to hear that. That's not that's not yet. That's not me now. Yeah, you know, when the time comes to retire, and, and you know, we'll kind of wrap up on this point here, but you know, when the time comes to retire, it'll be your time to retire because you're done and there is nothing left to give. Yeah. But for you to hear that interruption of your narrative and the story you've been telling, the story you're telling mm -hmm. is that I don't stop until I'm done and I'm going to be world number one. Now I'm world number one, I'm going to keep being world number one and get better at being world number one. And you know, when the day comes that that stops being, great. That'll be your time to decide, but you're not letting other people come in and tell your story. Yeah, that's exactly it, mate. And, and I'll finish on this. And for me, it's about, it's, about, uh, it's about just now, you know, like I said, going after the rest of the belts and, and doing everything I can and just making a great story. Because like I said, my why is to um, be the greatest and best version of myself, inspire others to do the same. And I really enjoy my, I'm really looking forward to my, my career as a public speaker. And, and again, living my why, trying to inspire many, many people to, 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 you know, to do the same, to be their best selves. And again, not be afraid to go after that. So thank you very much, Ben. Mate, I appreciate your time. Usually I would ask a question of, you know, what would be one piece of advice, but we've given fucking 200 in this conversation. I think, I think we've done, we've done plenty of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, okay, okay. But yeah, no, I, sure I, I, yeah. I genuinely, mate. I know we've been trying to see up this uh, this chat for a long time, and and you probably appreciate that not everyone looks at you as like this 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 world tier. I kind of have a conversation with you, kind of guy. Like to me, you're the guy who came in and we just chat shop and business and boxing, and and you just trying to get better. And you know, I look at you as someone who's achieved their their goals, their dreams, and it's something I'm passionate about and I get excited about. As you can probably tell, us rambling for an hour and a half. But to, to give me your time and a position that you're in, I, I genuinely can't express my gratitude for, for you being able to jump on and join with us for, for this amount of time. No, it's a pleasure. Uh, look, I, I highly respect what you do with Matter and um, and you as a bodybuilder. I will let you in a little secret. When I'm finished um, boxing, uh, I would like to get into uh, 
uh, weight, strength, a little bit of bodybuilding. I, I probably won't do any competitions or anything like that. I don't think I've got the genetics for it anyway, but I love lifting weights and I love getting stronger. And uh, and I love even getting on the aerodyne, having a hit session. I love that feeling I get, you know, from from tearing the muscle fiber and uh, going hard, giving the body a workout. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what what bit of muscle gain I can I can sort of amass um, after my boxing is done. And I know that will we'll help keep sessions. me fit and healthy. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we should do <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'll be asking for your advice. <laughs> oh, mate, don't yeah. worry. You get, you get plenty of that. <laughs> you get plenty of that. Mate, again, thank you for your time. Um, I think that's pretty much the perfect place for us to leave it. But, yeah, where where can we find you? How can we follow along on the adventure and what's left to come? Uh, Dennis Hogan on um, on Facebook. You'll, you'll see the verified page there. And then on Instagram, you'll find uh, Dennis Hogan Boxing is my Instagram page. Um I'm on Twitter there as well. Type in Dennis Hogan, you'll find it. Uh, and uh, yeah, look other than that. Actually, yeah. we got wait, 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 wait. We got we got one more piece, just one more thing to touch on because I don't want anyone leaving this without knowing you have a title, you have a belt defense coming up. Oh wait, yeah, yeah. yeah. May, we can't, we can't leave that out. Well, here I'll just tell you. I, for the last twelve years, I visualized people were talking about fighting in Ireland. I said I won't fight in Ireland until I have a world title belt. And um, <laughs> and uh, and and now. Five weeks from now, two weeks from now we leave, but but five weeks from now I'll fight in Dublin's Tree Arena. There's been no big time boxing in the Republic of Ireland in 15 years, and now I get to go back and have my homecoming in the Tree Arena, on on the card with Katie Taylor, who's the number one female fighter in the world. Um, so uh, uh I'm number one Irish pound for pound fighter in in the world. I'm still ranked on the on the Irish rankings, and uh, she's the number one female of all females. Um, and we're going to go back and, and uh, fight in Dublin May 20th. Uh, it will be live on the zone, uh, on Matchroom. But I think Fox Sports here in Australia will pick it up. And um, I'm going to I'm gonna live. I've visualised this so many times, nearly every day for the last like 12 years. And I'm finally going to get to live that out. And um, it's going to be another massive box tick, um, box tick dream come true. And uh, have a great win as well, you know, so. Mate, congratulations on all the success and everything you're yet to achieve because I know it's going to keep coming. So no doubt looking forward to seeing some more exciting things from, from the hurricane. Um, but again, good luck. And we know yeah. it's going to be a win. So appreciate your time and good luck with camp. Thank you, brother. All the best. We'll chat again soon.